actually it was this morning, it came up in my Bible app, and I thought it was so, uh, so uh, relevant today. It just says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, it says, A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Uh, you know, I, I just want to say thank you to all those who've been, who've come and given their um, Christmas child boxes. And very much that, uh, that, uh, that uh, verse applies because as you've given those boxes, those Christmas child boxes with all the things that you've placed in them will just go all over the world to different people and especially children who just will have, um, don't have those type of things happen at Christmas usually, but it will this Christmas. So thank you to those who have given uh, particularly in that area of the Christmas child boxes. If you forgot to, because today is the last day, so if you've forgotten, um, uh, uh, it was the last day today to bring them in. I'll tell you what, I'll give you some grace. Tuesday between 9 and 4, you can come and it'll be the very last day you can bring your boxes in. But thank you to everybody who's been a part of that. We do appreciate that. And, uh, and uh, we're going to continue because you know what? Some child around the world will be refreshed in some way because of what you've given. And uh, isn't that the way generosity is? That's the way it works. You give and some person is refreshed. And you know what happens? It says in Scripture, you actually get some kind of refreshment come back at you. You get something that returns to you. And I've discovered whether it's a smile uh, that you give someone, whether it's just a helping hand, a baker cake, I don't know what it may be, uh, but it comes back as just this provision for you. Uh, and so it, as financially we give, uh, in our times and offerings, and uh, I want to say that I've never seen God um, with, never left me without. <laughs> it's incredible, and it works. Uh, and so as much as the tithes and offerings comes into the body of Christ, you know, every cent we would pray that would be refreshing to someone, that money would go and touch some life, or whatever it may be doing. So thank you. You can continue to give of your tithes and offerings, of course, through online or through the FPOS here or the actual tithes and offerings box. You can give cash. So thank you for that. Um, look, I want to just uh, quickly uh, mention a couple of things to you, Church Revolution Youth, this Friday night, having a groupies night. It's going to be a glow in the theme dark. So apparently you've got to wear a white shirt, okay, a white one. And if you wear white, that'll glow a lot better than anything else. So uh, seven till nine, high school age, bring a friend. That'd be a great opportunity to bring a friend this Friday night. Um, our annual general meeting is just straight after this service this morning. Uh, it'll be hopefully about quarter to 12 that we'll start our meeting. Uh, and it's particular, it's for all of us. But the members, we'd love you to be here, of course. Uh, and if you're not a member, that's okay. You can still come and sit and be involved and just listen to what's happened or to what's going to be happening. Uh, it'll, it won't be a long time, but it'll be a good time. Is that okay? Uh, so uh, that'll be hopefully about quarter to 12. Just in relation to that, as parents, if you could just help the uh, all the, the, the 10 or 12 um, teachers that are around the church to back their teaching children, uh, if you could pick up your child pretty straight away, um, you're welcome to bring the children back in here if necessary. That'll be, um, they'll be registered in here. Um, if you could pick them up so the children's church team could come into the AGM as well, that would be much appreciated straight after the service if you could do that. Um, so that would be great. Look, one last thing, um, Pastor John Hunt if you know, Pastor John Hunt is our state president for Australian Christian Churches in Queensland. And he's going to be with us on the 15th of November. He's going to be ministering in the two services on the Sunday morning. So that's about three weeks' time. So just be aware of that and uh, look forward to that. He comes with a wealth of uh, uh, gifting of teaching and ability. He's, he's just a brilliant communicator. 
I've known him for about uh, 30 years, I tell you, and uh, just a great guy, and we appreciate him. And so he'll be here on that particular date on the 15th, which is only like three weekends away, isn't it? So that will be happening. I think that is about it. Uh, I just wanted to continue to say thank you. Uh, thank you uh, to the team on the stage that continually uh, serve diligently and leading us in praise and worship. Just do a brilliant job, even this morning, just leading into God's presence. Uh, but also thank you to the team out there, whether it's our, our ushers or our, our wardens, uh, COVID wardens, or the, um, all the other people, the sound people, everything they do. And of course, we're doing it a whole morning. We're just, you know, for some of us, churches just happen an all kind of morning till 12 o'clock. It's brilliant. It's just great. You're not so sure? <laughs> I know you haven't got an opportunity to come twice, but we do have the opportunity to come twice. So I get to hear myself twice. It's just exciting. It's just really exciting. <laughs> so, and uh, so thank you to all those people who serve so diligently in the life of our church and all the children's church workers. And we do appreciate those who clean, those who um, usher you, those who, you know, do all that stuff. Thank you. So what do you reckon? Do you reckon we turn to God's word? It's always a good thing, isn't it? We've been looking at the letters that Paul has been written, writing to a whole bunch of different groups of people across the world, the known world then. Uh, Paul wrote 13 letters, and uh, the one out of the 13, the one letter that he wrote to a group of people in Philippi, the Philippi church people, uh, is called the Letter of Joy, okay? Because the Letter of Joy is, is this letter to the Philippines, uh, the Philippians, four chapters, and it really, in every chapter, it, it's, it's talking about Paul's heart of joy and, and excitement. Even though he was in one of his worst moments uh, in time in his life, he was in prison. And yet he, he took the opportunity to write letters. Uh, and so uh, we see that in, in, in the, uh, this letter he wrote to the Philippians. And so what I'd like to, uh, to be honest, um, Paul actually planted the church in Philippi. In other words, he established the church. Along with a group of people, he helped the church get off the ground. He established it. And so his heart is very much for this group of people. Uh, he's very much engaged with them. And so whenever he sees any little problems, he wants to address it. And he addresses, this morning I want to read to you what Paul is addressing, a bit of a problem that they have in the gathering of Christians in Philippi. They're in Greece. It's in the northern part of the country of Greece. And he's addressing something because he loves them and he cares for them. And he's sharing some incredibly valuable information. And he's telling them to sort some things out. Because there's been a bit of division in the church. And a little bit of, um, you know, uh, argumenting amongst them. And, uh, and so he talks very clearly to them. He actually talks very clearly to, a, there's a couple of women who he, he, he really does care for. Who have got this disagreement happening. And the name is um, uh, Yodia and also Sinche. And, and Yodia and Sinche um, are, are people who helped him build the church and grow the church. Praise God for the women in the church, the early church, hey? Amen? Because there was so many women who led or, or was establishing and, and helped establish churches across Asia Minor at that time. Um, you know, praise God for them. And there's a couple, and Paul kind of calls these two ladies out. He names them here in Scripture. He says, hey, Yodia and Sinche, would you just please get on? Come on, get your act together. You're two brilliant ladies. You helped me plant this church. You've done so many wonderful things. Just got to sort it out. And so Paul's not only addressing them, he's addressing the whole church in this passage. And I've never read this passage before like this. 
uh, from this point of view and what Paul is saying. So let me read it to you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, and we'll read the verse 8. Here we go. Um, it says, I plead with Yodia um, and I plead with Sinche to be of the same mind in the Lord. In other words, get your act together, ladies. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. There we go. There's that rejoicing element of Paul's, uh, this passage, this letter. I say it again, rejoice. And whenever Paul or anybody writes in the Bible twice, they're always trying to emphasize it. They're trying to say, uh, rejoice. But I tell you what, I really mean it. Rejoice. <laughs> Come on. This is an important. If you do nothing else, you've got to rejoice and praise God. So then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Don't be so mean to each other. The Lord is near. In other words, He's watching you. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, He says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is what? Noble, whatever is right. He gives you this list of things. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. What does He say? Think about such things. One of your uh, King James Version, New King James says, meditate on such things or meditate on these things. So Paul finalizes this little, this little part of the, the chapter 4 of Philippians with, come on, there's some things I want you to do, guys. You, there's some things. And this verse 8, if you've never seen it before, is a particular relationship, relation to just helping the church. Come on, get your act together. You're a great bunch of people. I love you dearly. But you just get on together, sort things out. And that's what Paul's saying to this. And then he finishes with verse 8. And you might be surprised to know verse 8 is very much about helping them um, to sort out their thinking and how they think towards each other. Very much so. Who knows? Someone once said to me, you know what? You are what you eat. Is that true? To some extent. Uh, are you there this morning? Yeah, you're good, right? Because, you know, if you eat too much of one thing, you can uh, sometimes, you know, get a bit um, wholesome and, and a little bit larger than maybe you want. Or, you know, that's the reality, isn't it? If you eat too much of the wrong thing, you know, it can, it can up the level of uh, how, how, let's just say, fat levels, I suppose. Uh, the truth is, uh, as you are and what you eat, eat on the outside, uh, the truth is, is how you think is what you are on the inside. How you think determines what the inner health is like. Uh, uh, it, not just physically, I'm not talking about physically, but spiritually, what's on the inside of you. So what you think on, and that's what Paul is talking to this early church about. Uh, he's saying, come on, guys, there's some struggles and some divisions here, but I want you to, that can be sorted out because you've got to stop thinking about some things and start thinking differently about other things. Who knows? that your, uh, what you think on determines how you do life so often. It determines what you think on. What happens up here is so important. And you've got to be careful about what happens up here because it really does determine what you say, how you act, the way you live your life. It's what you think on. And Paul says, think on good things, good that are noble and just and true. So we need to consider that. So let me pray. Um, I want to... I wanna, um, this morning we're going to... Uh, Share this. I've titled this message, Stinking Thinking. Let me just pray. 
Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as we come around your word, let us be incredibly um, just a great soil for the seed of your truth. Father, help us to grasp the fact that the reality is that you want our minds to be focused on those things that bring blessing and hope to our lives, though not negative things or curses. And so, Father, we ask it. Holy Spirit, you tr- do your truth, reveal your truth in Jesus' name. Amen? Brilliant. First thing Paul says, first thing, I'm just going to address, there's seven of them, but let me just address four. First thing Paul talks about in the way to control your thinking or what you need to think on, he says, first thing Paul says, control your thinking. He says, think on things which are true. Think on things which are true. In, or, put it another way, don't think on things that you don't know if they are true. Don't think on things. If you're not sure, if it's, you know, if, if you're not sure, don't think on it. Especially if it's a d- detrimental or derogative kind of thought or a negative thought. Don't give it place in your brain. Because we can waste our energy, it can waste this mind space, as I call it, taken up thinking about stuff that isn't necessarily right, for, isn't true. You know, how many times do we undergo unnecessary anxiety and worry because of the things we think that will come to pass, but they never do come to pass because it's not true? Things that we think on sometimes, things that we engage in in our mind sometimes. There was a doctor called Dr. Walter Cavett, and he'd done a survey. He said 8% of what you think about is, is probably about, he's, he determined, it really is, it's quite... Um, it's not necessarily, we're all different, but, but 8%, they said, of what people think of are, are the only legitimate matters of real concern. He said 92% are either imaginary, never happened, or involved matters over which people had no control anyway. 92%, generally, he said, about a person, what they think on. And so we see here, Paul says to this church, that's having a couple little bit of um, issues with each other. He says, stop wasting your energy thinking about things that are not true. And the, and, and the truth is, there's a lot of stuff that you and I can't control that we give time and thought to that we don't need to give time and thought to. Thank you. One of the keys of life, of having peace and joy, is to meditate on what's true. That's the reality. And if you find yourself stressed about something, don't you, you know, why don't you stop and ask yourself sometimes, is that actually true? Is that actually true? Am I perceiving that the right way? So important. Um, the other thing about truth, and this is a little bit of a, 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 a you know, a di- another direction on truth, but the thing about truth that I find, we've got to be careful we don't pick and choose what we want to be true depending on convenience. In other words, because um, people no longer sometimes in society generally ask, is it true? They ask, uh, does it make me feel good? And if it makes me feel good, oh, that'll be the truth I live by. Do you know what I mean? But the thing that they say, that'll be the truth I live by, sometimes can be things that are actually destroying their life, things that are harming them. Um, we see it clearly. They make up their truth depending on what suits them or what seems right to them. Who knows that God has set some absolute principles of truth in place they're called absolutes you can't shift them you can't budge them jesus actually had one thing that he said is true he said this he said i am the way that what the truth and the life jesus said you know there's many belief systems in this world but he says you know what i am the way that truth notice it says that truth it doesn't say a truth he's not one of many he's that ultimate truth 
Jesus is the truth. I'm so glad about that. He says, I'm the truth and the life. So that's what we need to live by. And so in the context of these verses, Paul is talking to people. They're a little upset with each other. And so possibly there was some unnecessary kind of gossip going around. Maybe some slandering that was happening of each other. And, and maybe misinterpreting other people's motives. And so Paul is saying, stop it. Stop meditating on stuff that's not true. And meditate on what you know to be true. Can I encourage you this morning, what, Peter, uh, sorry, what Paul wrote over about 2,000 years ago. Actually, it'd be a bit less than 2,000 years because it was about AD 60. Um, the truth is, he's saying what he wrote then and what was relevant to this Philippian church, because Paul thought his, his letters only going to the Philippian church. No, 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 he didn't realize it was going to everybody who ever read the Bible when they put it all together. It's as relevant then as it is today. Folks, you've got to sometimes focus on what's true and not what the, the lie or, or listen to the lies. Amen? Do you know the second thing Paul says here? He says, meditate on what's true, think on what's true, and then he says, think on things that are noble. Interesting word, noble. So, noble thoughts. You've got to have noble thoughts. What does it mean? Well, noble thoughts is the way we think about other people. Okay, the way we think about it. more specifically, don't entertain thoughts of being of acting dishonorable towards someone else. There may be times in your life when something has been said or done to you that you don't like and it hurt, and then you start to think about how what I could do to get back at them. And you may never carry through with that, but it's wasted mind space when you continually are consumed with um, elements of of what could I say or do to get back at them. And, and it's not a place. And that's what Paul says to the church. Stop thinking dishonorable thoughts of, of how you could act towards others. Think of honorable thoughts to how you could act to others. I was driving not so many t years ago, coming out of the mall before they changed uh, in Phillips Street, at this end of Phillips Street. And before they um, changed the, now they've changed the exit out of the mall there, out of the uh, King Cora Mall. Uh, and I was driving out of there, and, you, and you, as you come out of the mall to turn right to go towards, uh, I suppose you're going towards the massive big intersection that's there. I, I was in that medium strip area where you could just, I was waiting for cars all coming down Phillips Street. I'm trying to get an entrance into there because I wanted to get across to the other lane, the second lane on the other side, because I then had to eventually turn left to go home to my place. And so I'm waiting there in the middle of the, and obviously I was too slow for that gentleman behind me. And he came roaring around from behind me around the side. And as he going past me, um, he, he leant out his uh, window. I don't know how you drive and lean, lean out your window, but he was managing to do that. And my windows were up and I still heard what he had to say to me. So you can appreciate he was a bit louder than normal. And he let go of some incredible four-letter words that I hadn't heard for a long time. And he was giving me his peace of mind. Um, I didn't really want to hear his peace of mind or his version of things. But anyway, he gave it to me. He didn't really care what I thought. And uh, so he just, I mean, how can you speak and yell and scream so fast in just a matter of three or four seconds as you're going past someone, but he managed to do it. I kind of thought he's upset. <laughs> I'm like, in hindsight, Maybe I was too slow. But you know what? My slow driving, I just continually think that it's helping other people behind me gain some incredible character. <laughs> On occasions. 
And this gentleman needed some character. He just needed me to grab him by the collar, pull his head out and go whack and go grow up. But I didn't, I did have that dishonorable thought. And I thought, I can't do that. I'm driving. I can't do that. And then I had this thought, you know, what happened was he pulled into the traffic and got held up at the lights. Guess what? I now have to, I'm going to come down the other side and go past him. I thought, this is my opportunity. (laughs) I'm going to give this. And I had all these thoughts. It's amazing what you can think in a matter of seconds when you're kind of feeling hurt or, or feeling really falsely accused of something that you didn't really mean to do. Um, and so I'm thinking of thoughts, well, I, I'm just going to tell him how to grow up. I'm just going to, uh, I'm not going to kind of do the th- things he, Lord, I'm not going to swear like he swore. Oh, Lord, I'm too much of a Christian. <laughs> I'm just going to tell him what I think of him. And as I go past, I'm going to just, you know, give him the Hawaiian wave or whatever, you know, whatever. No, I, you know. <laughs> so all these thoughts come to my head. And, and, I, and within a matter of seconds, I realize you can't do that. That's not the right, reta- that's not the right attitude um, that you need to have. And then I thought, I know what I'll do, Lord. I'll, as I go past, I'll just turn my head and smile. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know what? The Holy Spirit wouldn't even let me do that. He wouldn't even let me do that. And so as I went past, I felt so compelled to look to the right and just smile but I kept my line I said I I can't retaliate and I just kept on driving and to this day I don't know I've I've forgotten what his face looks like anywhere I probably recognize his voice but um, (laughs) but it's not his face and so you know I just I tell you that story because sometimes folks it's such a temptation just to help you realize we all face it at times that we want to retaliate and we want to act dishonorable or say dishonorable things back simply because what's been said to us and Paul says hey you guys that's why you got some disunity you're kind of saying things that are so dishonorable to each other act with honor in what you speak so important here's the third thing that Paul says here's the is it wonderful he says whatever things not only true whatever things are not only um, noble and then he says whatever things uh, think on things that are uh, uh, right okay NIV says right uh, sorry no the New King James says right the NIV says or justly justly in other words right think on things that are right or just so what it means is it does it means don't um, judge other people's motives that's what it really means it's, it's, it's saying don't judge other think about other people rightly or justly don't judge their motives when you don't know their motives don't, that's what it's really saying that's what Paul's trying to say to this this group of people he says you know you guys are judging each other's motives and some of the motives are not wrong you're preempting what you think they're really saying because sometimes we can think in our heads I know the reason why you said that it's because of this in your or I know the reason you did that is because of this. And we preempt and think we know what the motives of other people really are when we don't know the motives of other people. So we've got to stop judging the motives, Paul says. That's what he means by thinking on things that are just or right about other people. And because when we say, I know why you did that, or when we think, I know why you did that, it's because of this problem, we're becoming what the world calls a cynic. A cynic. A person who always judges and questions other people's motives. What a miserable way to live life. Always thinking, oh, why did they do that? Oh, I know why they did that. Oh, I'm gonna. Sometimes we've just got to stop and think. Um, and uh, we've got to stop and think about what we're really 
doing or what we're really thinking about other people. Don't keep forever thinking you know why people are doing what they're doing and then maybe putting a negative spin on it because that continues to break down relationship. And what Paul is seeking here to speak to them, he says he's addressing this group and saying, stop it. Stop judging each other's motives. You know, you're all good people. Just don't continue to hurt each other this way. It may be the bad impression sometimes. I've had people come and give me a bad report about somebody else. And all of a sudden, I find them taking on board what, um, what, uh, this impression about this person. And then when I really, and I start to think, well, oh, do this and this and this, because someone told me this. And then when I meet the person and I talk to them and I get to know them, they're not like that at all. And that's what we've got to be careful of. That's what we've got to be aware of. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't judge other people. You can't judge a book by its cover, they say. Is that still true or not? It's still true, isn't it? And, and sometimes we see people do certain things and we know the reason that they're, you know, uh, we don't know the reason they're doing it and we can't judge that or um, simply by without talking to them. We've got to talk to them about it. So we see Paul says, come on, whatever is true. Come on, he says, whatever is noble. And then he says, um, whatever is just. He says, you guys... And then he gives us this last one. He says, whatever things are pure, pure thinking. And as I investigated this thought, uh, original, um, uh, original Greek, this is not speaking just of moral pure thoughts. This is actually also speaking about motives, having pure motives in life, about your motives, whether they're pure or not. Uh, and so the word just or right, what I'm just speaking about in the third point, where we've got to um, stop judging other people's motives. Now we come to this point where Paul says, uh, whatever is pure, now it's saying, um, you've got to keep our, um, it's talking about our motives. And so God wants us to judge, not judge other people's motives, but here's the clincher, he does want you to judge your motives. Don't judge others, but judge your own. <laughs> Proverbs 16.2 says this, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And if we are keen enough to listen, maybe, uh, maybe that's the opportunity for us. Actually, that verse is actually saying, you need, you need to look at your own motives. Because sometimes you do things and you think you know the reason you do things, but underlying under that reason is another reason, and it's not the best reason why you're doing it. Because you want to get something, you want to get something better, you want to, whatever it may be, you've got to judge your motives and time and time again in my life i've had to come back and say what's my motive here uh, don't try and fool yourself but sometimes just the things of this world get so enhanced us and so entice us that we just uh we lose focus on what is our real motive and we've got to be careful and that's what paul's talking about um you can't hide your motives from god i've discovered you can't hide your motive because he says the lord examines their motives he knows doesn't he and God wants us to have a heart uh, towards purity, bef uh, often so in our motives. He wants it to be pure motives. He wants us to, and now we mightn't get it all perfect, but he just wants us to continually work towards having pure motives that are uh, visible and uh, that are uh, open and people can clearly see. And then we're not behind the scenes trying to manipulate and do things that aren't good. And I've found, isn't interesting, but God wants to take us to new levels and new promotions in the spiritual and the physical sense. He wants to take us to use us in our giftings and he wants to do all types of things. But I've discovered that until 
often our motives are pure, God will never allow us to go to that next level because he knows that if you go to the next level that in your character and your motives are not good, it won't sustain you. Your giftings may take you there, but your character will crumble. And he doesn't want you to crumble in a mess. And so he'll only ever let you go as far as he knows. Sometimes our motives or our, pu- our purity of heart, um, how much of that is really, we've got a handle on that. Um, and so we need to be aware and careful of that. And that's what Paul is addressing in these people. He's saying, some of you, your motives aren't right. Come on, you know, purity. Not just moral thoughts, not just good pure thoughts, but pure motives in how you're conducting yourself. And, you know, and, and, and we clearly see that in a number of examples. Because if there was ever a, an example of this, it was Joseph in the, in the um, uh, Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. Joseph was one of 13 brothers. He was the 12th brother. He was a favorite of his mum and dad because he was born to them in their old age. The age of 17, he gets a dream, an incredible dream. And uh, I think Joseph, to be honest, is a little bit egotistical, a little bit puffed up in himself. And he shares this dream with his parents. And uh, I think he could have shared it in a different way, to be honest. He shares it with his other 10 brothers, older than him. And he says, you know what? One day you will all bow down to me, inferring that he was going to have some kind of authority. Now, Joseph's dream wasn't bad, wasn't wrong, what he said. But he just could have uh, maybe shared it in a different way. And so we see what happens is, is that Joseph, as soon as he had that dream and shared it with his brothers and his father and his mother, things went terribly bad for him. He was living a good life and then it went bad. He was sold into slavery. He was in prison in the jail. He was left there. Uh, there was a whole lot of bad things. He was falsely accused for rape and he never, was, he never got involved in that. And he was falsely accused for that. And that's while he was in jail. But there came a moment when he was brought before Pharaoh, who was the Egyptian Pharaoh in those days was really the ruler of the known world. And so Joseph is, after 13 long years, is brought before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, and we see now, Pharaoh had had a dream. And, and someone had told Pharaoh, this guy Joseph is in jail. He can interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh says, get him out of there. I, wanted to, I want him to interpret my dream. And so Pharaoh, he comes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I heard that you can interpret dreams. And now we see a different motive in Joseph's heart. Totally different, totally pure. Where once he was an egotistic young teenager, now he's a man of a thir- years of 30 years of age. And, and, and he says to, it says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I cannot interpret dreams. I never have been able to interpret dreams. So different to his motive many years ago. He says, I can't interpret dreams, but I serve the one true God that can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh says, really? Well, you know, and and Joseph has the opportunity to share with Pharaoh about the God of heaven and earth, creator. And then Pharaoh says, well, I'm not going to even tell you my dream. If you're such, if God is so good, let God tell you the dream. And then you can tell me an interpretation. Joseph says, okay. Joseph goes away. God tells him what the dream um, Pharaoh had. He comes back to Pharaoh. He says, this is the dream and this is the interpretation. Joseph says, you've won me. Very well done. And so the story unfolds and Joseph becomes second in charge of then, not just Egypt, but then the known world. Wow. And it all happened over a 13-year period where God slowly but surely helped this young man's heart become a heart that was pure, humble, and surrendered 
to him and God used him. And Paul's saying to a group of Christians, he's saying, come on, guys. You've got this attitude that it's just wrong motives. You've got to let your heart become pure. Because, you know, in, in that we can establish your ch- the church. So much better if you guys just stop this little bit of ups, being upset and angry with each other and just have better motives. And the and pref- and, and Bible says, prefer your brother and sister before yourself. Humbly just serving. Humbly coming before God. Just like Joseph. But it was a process, wasn't it? And God would want to have his hand upon some of us here even today. And he's been speaking to you, possibly, I believe, some of you. And maybe I could just share a word, something of knowledge this morning, because I sense God's presence just wants to speak to hearts. And it's this, that even though you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and wanting God, lift me out of this, almost like miry clay. Wouldn't God not want to do that in your life as you continue to surrender your life to him and the purity of your heart and you allow him to reach within, almost like physically into your chest and polish that heart up and say, hey, I want to rectify the issues and purify the heart. Because it says, who can, who can ascend to the holy hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, who can go higher in the things of God? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And God would say to maybe one, two, maybe more than three people today, you know, you've been wanting to get out of this situation. God says, hey, would you just allow your heart to be purified as you draw near to me? And would I not then lift you up? Would I not then establish you? Would I not then take you on to what God would have? Would you agree if you if believe in that? Amen. Someone today, or more than maybe one person. See, God is for you today, church. He's not against you. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you as well. Because, you know, there's, the first prayer would be in the sense of um, this Jesus who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you've never responded to him. You know what you've got to do? You need to confess with your mouth. You need to believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him into your life. And then God says, you know what? That is that big. You become a believer in me. But until you surrender, not just because we've got a head knowledge, but until you surrender your heart to him, we're really not believers in him. We've got to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can, then you can agree with that prayer, and you can make it your own. And I love to, it, 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 please tell, tell me after the service, yeah, I prayed that prayer, because it's good to confess your response to someone else and make it strong. Second prayer I want to pray is just pray for people today that say, yeah, I can identify with some of those thoughts. I can identify, and I need God just to come and help me and strengthen me, not to go there in those thought processes that are not right. I need to just... You know, I need to think on things that are pure. pure. I need to think about people who, um, you know, noble thoughts about people, not respond in retaliation. I need to, I just need to be just and have the right attitudes. And I just need to have a pure heart. And and yeah, include me in this prayer. So today, as the team come, as the worship team come, can we just stand today and I just want to pray straight away right now. That'd be great. So let me pray first a prayer of commitment to Jesus. If you want to make it your own, please make it your own. But make it from your heart, just not from your head. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came on this earth and you died for me to take away my sin. I thank you that you bore the brunt of what I'd done wrong so that I could be forgiven. And I could have now come to God freely, your heavenly Father, because of what you did for me. I receive you into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior today. And I thank you that you have always loved me and you have a great plan and purpose. 
Help me, Lord, to walk with you. And so I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe in my heart that, God, you raised Jesus from the dead so I could be forgiven of my past and have a better future. I receive and believe that now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray now for all of us. Father, I thank you today, and I pray for people today in this room. Maybe they identify with the stuff today that's been shared from your scripture. Oh God, that you would help us, uh, Father God, to walk with wholeness of thought, not stinking thinking, but have, allowing you to rule our mind so that we think on things that are good and pure and right and just, and that we think about people in the right ways as well, no matter what they've done to us or haven't done to us, or haven't, you know, whatever our expectation has been to people that haven't lived up to it, God, that we would think right so that we could be vessels that live in joy and peace and not always tormented by revenge or attitudes or hatred or hurt or pain. But Father, living in peace and joy in our thoughts, we ask for your strength because Holy Spirit, we cannot do that on our own strength. We need you. So we invite you today to come and touch our hearts and minds in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said, amen. Come on, team. Let's sing this song again. so hard to see it. it took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never 